0: Welcome to Not Enough Champagne, a podcast that edits out all of its awkward silences. My name is Corey Hazelhurst and my partner propagandist propaganda is Steve Haynes. Hey, Cora. I might have to leave that in, might I? For the, oh, never mind. The <laughs> <laughs> is ruined already. Um, so we had a brief break for the period of morning, hence a slightly unprofessional opening to this. And uh, thank you, LJ, for filling in an episode last week, uh, which was reacting to a, a, to a mini-budget which... I believe we but no one else in the mainstream media is going to call a Truster Willis. Now, the situation has developed so much, in fact, that not only am I braving a cold and coming out of a temporary induced period of by-election hell, we're going to try and work out what the hell's going on. Of nothing, Steve. My wife listened to a podcast about Venus by accident, thinking it was about the goddess, and it turned out to be about the planet. And did you know a day on Venus is longer than a year? What? Because it takes Venus longer to turn on its own axis than it does to ro- move around the sun. Huh. Speaking of which, a Toy Party Conference in Birmingham.
1: Does feel like it's going to be going on very long for
0: them, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, today, we're, and it's not a U-turn, obviously. It's a change of direction or, or an orbit. And today was economy day on the grid. How's that gone? Well,
1: I think it's fair to say that it's not gone great for uh, for the Tories when it comes to the economic side of things and when it comes to their policies and the wider economic situation. Um, the fact that. I woke up this morning my alarm went off and the lead uh the lead story on planet rocks news this morning was quasi quarteing is u-turning over the headline policy of scrapping the 45p uh, uh, tax band that feels like it's not a good start for conference for them now i remember obviously we are grizzened. grizzend that's not a word <coughs>
0: We're grizzled podcast veterans at this point, Steve. We are veterans of trying to make sense of British politics. And I remember in a dim and distant past, as far ago as March, maybe April, the Johnson government, do remember Boris Johnson? I do. So he would do a really, really silly thing, a really unpalatable thing, not give out free school meals to people or try and kill all whelks or something. And they get a lot of flack for that, Boris Johnson's government would. Then the government would dig in their heels and say they're not going to U-turn. They would get ministers in to defend it on the media. And usually always, I'm pretty sure it was always Kwasi Kwatek who would come on and defend the indefensible. And the following day, the government would then U-turn and everyone would say, why did you just spend all your political capital and make all of your ministers and MPs defend these terrible things?
1: Do you reckon Kwarteng's deliberately doing it and he's just going, this was me for so long, now someone else must suffer? Uh, but, but then it's Kwarteng who's suffering. Like it was, it was So um, I my re- uh, radio
0: alarm came up this morning and I was listening to Kwarteng on the Today programme and then he talked about scrapping the 45p rate and that was the first I heard of it and I was still in that dr- hazy stage where I wasn't sure if I was dreaming or awake or if I'd heard properly. But, so this the, the 45p rate that's... Was going to be go- gone down to forty p. But only ten days ago that was the massive rabbit out of a hat in Kwateng's mini budget that you and Al- LJ talked about. It was defended by the prime minister. So we're recording this on Monday. But it was recorded by the prime minister sixteen hours before Kwateng was on the Today programme. It was in this in the to did his speech today at Tory Party conference in the, at eleven o'clock at night. It was trailed to reporters that he was going to still be keeping the rate, and yet now it's gone
1: yeah and i I suspect the only logical reason for why this has happened is they've realized they do not have the votes for it that they have actually spoken to enough of the uh, conservative party mps and they've just gone oh dear we don't have a majority anymore for this specific or for for a number of these policies because like michael gove of all people Seems to be kind of like the ringleader for for a lot of this, as apparently is Grant Shapps. Mm. What bizarro world are we in, where these, where, where Gove and Shapps are the, you know, the the progressive end of the Conservative Party? Okay, I'll
0: tell you what kind of world it is. It's a world in which the Conservative Party, in the run up to the 2019 election, purged most of its modernising wing, the 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 wing that realised that actually the Tory Party had a toxic image that it had to shed. And that's true of people for like Ken Clark, Philip Hammond, Theresa May, uh, Rory Stewart. That's true of all of that bunch. And the people who've come in since are massive thatcherised influenced by reports from like the Institute for Economic Affairs, the Adam Smith Institute, those sorts of institutions who are all on Tufton Street and don't tell you how they're funded, but all seem to massively want to bring in measures to benefit the super rich and screw everyone else over. And it's also a world in which Liz Truss is prime minister despite the fact that she finished, I think, fifth on the first ballot of Tory MPs and was uh, only, I think, has the support of about a third of her parliamentary party, and then decides it's a good idea to threaten Tory
1: MPs that they'll lose the whip if they vote against any of these measures. There's an important step um, before that that you missed over, though, uh, where she didn't even attempt to try and build bridges with the uh, with the rest of the Conservative uh, MPs and basically just put in purely loyalists into the Cabinet, which further alienates the rest of them and then starts threatening them and then they just go, well, if we're going to lose anyway, might as well go down swinging so that I might have stand a chance of retaining my seat. Well, absolutely. So they and there were talks already
0: over the weekend that conservative rebels were in talks with Labour to defeat because a lot of the stuff that was the quality announced would have to go through legislation so in talks with Labour to defeat not just a 45p measure but other measures too and you already had 14 I think publicly out rebels over the weekend the trust majority is now 71 so if you've got 14 public you only need another 22 then you have no majority
1: yeah
0: uh so there's there's an interesting so there's the the, the, so the trust of willis that we're in we've got there's the political problem they haven't got the votes they can't get it through the tory party they've managed to retoxify the tory party
1: like yeah massively to the point where we now have um like pretty much i think every major pollster uh, and some minor ones as well in the UK, uh, basically saying Labour has a lead of at least twenty percent. Some of them are like nineteen percent, but effectively, you know, almost at the twenty, about twenty percent lead mark. Some of them are saying twenty twenty-five. Some of them are saying thirty-three, and it's absolutely ridiculous. And there's there's the I think it was Cervation came out with another poll this afternoon which showed that them still dropping more and labor gaining more because they doubled down they didn't respond well in in any forms they've been trying to blame it on a, as a comms issue there definitely has been poor comms around the around it but that's not the core of the issue huh. um, the issue is that there's and very very unpopular policies that they're trying to put through which not even their own party and their own party members actually support well no because there's a wider question i think to
0: be said about where about thatcherism about free market economics about the modern tory party we've talked about the purging of that sort of progressive that more one nation wing we've sort of talked before about even tom togan who was sort of the one nation wing candidate wasn't really a one nation wing candidate because he then went down the same sort of tax cuts, Northern Ireland Protocol, rabbit hole that all the other candidates did. So it's a really narrow field. You don't really have anyone of that sort of Howard Macmillan, Anthony Eden, even Ted Heath talking about the unacceptable face of capitalism or free markets. That's gone. And instead, you've got very, very ideological people who've forgotten, I think, a lot of the lessons of Thatcherism and what he can teach the Tory party. That that trust saying that I, I I've got the courage to take on popular decisions, whereas actually Thatcher was very good at sounding tough and then utiling when she had to, and and crucially Thatcher knowing the space she had
1: to make reforms and making it happen. Yeah, Thatcher that was, was a str- uh, an astute politician uh, in terms of being able to spend political capital wisely, for the, at least for the, for the most part. Like obviously there were screw ups, but you know, from 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 the political perspective, never mind the actual uh, validity of the policies themselves. But from the political perspective, there were were screw ups, but they tended to be more towards the tail end of her, um, of her reign. So let so there's the political problem if they don't have the votes. And as
0: this podcast' favorite politician, Lyndon Johnson would tell you, I maybe second favorite after Harold Wilson, but essentially, politics is about counting, and if you don't have the votes. And it looks, if they haven't got CUNAC supporters, then they're essentially a minority government and Liz Trust just invented PR for the UK. So well done, Liz. Um, That's a massive political issue for them and a massive parliamentary handling issue. There's also the strategic issue. So we'll talk about comms in a second. But the strategic massive problem is that Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng are trying to talk about the energy package they brought in, which is broadly popular, but they're not selling it properly because they keep implying that there's a cap of two and a half grand, which there isn't. Yeah. And also, because the Bank of England had to step in with a £65 billion buying of government bonds to stop pension funds collapsing and the massive hike in interest rates, any help that would households would have been provided by the mini-budget in tax cuts and high health energy prices has already been eroded in increased prices increased mortgages anyway
1: yeah um, absolutely i mean just to, to put the uh, the the failure of the uh, and this is genuinely is a comms failure um for for the Tories um in regards to the energy uh kind of like policy um british gas took out an advert in some of the newspapers to basically explain to people that no it is not a cap in the sense of you will pay no more than 2500 a year that is the average cost for an average family if you spend more like uh, if you if you burn more gas you will uh, uh, for heating you will spend more than that it's just that's what the average person will end up spending or rather the average household I should say will end up spending and the fact like i assumed that as part because like, i think this really kicked off properly as part of the that, that round of disastrous local um local bbc interviews mm. that was trusted um where in one of those she basically i assume she misspoke um at, at the time given it was like her fourth interview of the day they'd all gone disastrously uh, up until that point anyway with you know seconds worth of silence uh happening on live air like not being able to answer questions properly not being fully briefed on the situations um in the local areas that she for the the people that she was talking to so i just kind of assumed that stress stuff happens like you just misspeak that is a genuine thing and i had assumed that was the case don't think it was now um the more and more i read into this i don't think so I'm torn between whether or not they think it's whether it's a they don't und- I'm torn between whether or not they don't understand their own policy or if they very much do understand their own policy and they're willfully misrepresenting it as, in, as in an attempt to try and just salvage some kind of political win. In 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 the short term, obviously, in the long term, that's still damaging because we're going to get we will get to March and people will say, "Well, I spent more than two grand." What? But you told me if you're you're going for a short-term political win, then you wouldn't
0: have mentioned at all the disastrous trust of Willis. Of the fiscal package, and instead you are going to conference
1: talking about your energy package and how you're helping families. Yeah, just just you you'd you'd focus on like the, the, some of the other things in there, like the stamp duty stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like fiddling around the edges more than anything actually meaningful. But there's at least a narrative you can spin around it. There's so much of broadly popular and uh, the, the yeah. local radio stuff. Yeah, the the cons from that,
0: it just seems to reveal a really amateurish approach of the trust Downing Street operation. Uh, amazing when you consider that her media advisor is also prince andrew's former media advisor who left after the emily mason's interview quite um talk about failing upwards um but just to give one example so again uh, so paul mason i think tried to uh claim that this is all going to be sort of an hour of Alan Partridge and a tweet, tweet which didn't age really well. This is the sort of thing that a Prime Minister does do and either does do before yeah. party conferences and they'll do the local media ones. Yeah, I think pretty much every Prime Minister does it. Yeah, opinion. I think even I think Starmer does it as well yeah. in terms of conferences and what have you and you have a, a round. And I can imagine they're terribly nerve-wracking. But I also think if you have a briefing file that's prepared for you, On the different areas you've got, yes, you might get some googlies and some unexpected questions. I was speaking to a politician who's done interviews like this. You are prepared for. You can mostly. You'll have a your your staff will have a file. They'll put a file in front of you, and they'll have different local issues about different things you might get. So, even if you get an unexpected googly, you can generally direct that to an answer or bat it away or what have you. Now. You mentioned the sort of not briefed on local issues. Key one, I think, was BBC Radio Lancashire. Yeah, it was the one I was going to bring up. Preston New Road fracking. So in February, that site was plugged up and abandoned because of the earthquake tremors. And you would like Mm -hmm. to think that if you were preparing the Prime Minister for a media interview on BBC Radio Lancashire, and fracking has been one of the policies that the government has come up with that
1: someone might mention it somewhere rather than end up in a trust to list of pauses. Especially when the, one of the that specific uh, BBC interviews basically kicked it off by saying, here's a clip of one of our local MPs, I think also a conservative one, yep. um, asking a question about this. Um, can you actually answer this question? To which she goes, uh, uh, d- 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 no, no, I can't. And I can't even spin my way out of it or, or attempt to spin my way out of it. The
0: trust during the leadership campaign said that she wasn't the most fluent performer, but you could rely on her because she's dogged, she'll stick to the tasks, she'll willing to do unpopular things. And now the U-turn on the 45p rate
1: proves she won't even do that. So what's the point? Uh, indeed, 100%. What is the point of Liz Trust? What is the point of quasi Kwarteng now if you are the Conservative Party? Like you've, you've de- they've demonstrated that they don't have the, any political nails. They've demonstrated that they don't even have any ideolo- real ideological conviction that they're prepared to put put, the, put to the test. Probably, oh, I don't know.
0: I think that no, I think that's because they have put it to the test. It's just massively failed. They so they believe in the Laffer curve and let everything rip. I slightly disagree there. Actually,
1: I. <clears throat> Maybe I'm not putting myself this. They're not prepared to actively defend it, though, is the, is, is the thing. Like, actually, across the, 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 the medium term. Like, at the first actual sign of resistance, they've folded completely um, on their headline thing. And they're probably going to fold on a lot of other things. I think Michael goes at one of the Tory fringe events or, like, when speaking to some to, to some media bod, basically said, yeah, watch out for the fracking stuff because that's not going to happen either. Um, there's, there's a lot of things, like, Like mm. as of today, the government started briefing about, oh, we need another 16 billion worth of cuts. That's, again, already starting to get, kind of like, the jitters amongst, rightfully, a lot of Tory MPs, especially in the Red Wall. Well, yeah, well, but I th- and I think this is an ideological
0: problem because... I think almost to turn what you're saying on its head, I think they, they went into it with ideology. I mean, look at how you know, Jacob Rees-Mogg defending it with a laugh, a curve, all this nonsense. But they were so ideological, they didn't. And it's, it's I've seen the profile about Kwarteng saying that he's a, a, a massive combination of very, very bright, but a big combination of arrogance and laziness. And I think you can see that in this budget mm. where it's not been thought through at all no examination of any consequences whatsoever and so you've, you've got this insane situation where on the day we're recording this bit be- trust became prime minister four weeks today on september the 5th just to put that in context that we've only had 14 rare interventions from lord frost at this point yeah. who i saw today at Birmingham new street the Tory party conference oh, I know, I you. Uh, almost touched by greatness so you mentioned spending cuts There's no mandate for that in the Tory party manifesto. No. So I had a look at the 2019 Tory party manifesto today and it said that there'd be extra funding for the NHS. It said there'd be millions more invested every week in science, schools, apprenticeships and infrastructure. There'd be an extra £14 billion fund for schools. They'd raise teachers' starting salary to 30000 a year. They'd add 10,000 prison places. NHS funding would go up by 29% between 2018 and 2023. And then by the end of the parliament, it would be £650 million more a week. I make it at the moment that funding will go up, um, but from 141, this is from the King's Fund, I think, £141.4 billion. 2018-19 to 173.8 billion in 22-3, which I think is more like a 22% increase rather than a 29% increase.
1: And that's probably not even necessarily factoring in a number of things around... Um the fact that the announcement, the tourist Coffee made announcements that they were m- moving significant amounts of money away from the NHS to fund social care um, and things like that as well. So like, that like those figures are going to be not even necessarily. So
0: I think it's Nottingham has declared an emergency in the moment. I think Plymouth is doing so. There's other places. In the th- yeah, a lot of places have got it. I know. Um, and, and, and in terms, of, even say teachers starting to to thirty k, is that in real terms <laughs> and. When you think that governments are going to have to find an extra, the government departments, an extra £20 billion a year just to deal with extra heating bills, it's, I, I think, actually quite frightening. You've got the local government are talking about fat being trimmed from local government. There is no fat to be trimmed from local government. Birmingham City Council has had 60p in every pound cut from government funding since 2010 and just to put it into context as well so birmingham's budget is about three or four billion quid the government in its new fiscal plan is going to borrow 72 billion pounds so it's going to borrow 24 birmingham's now it's not has to it's not had to say how it's going to pay for that if a local authority if birmingham put out a budget in the same way that quasi Quartank did a couple of weeks ago we would have commissioners inside Birmingham quicker than you could say Derek Hatton.
1: Yeah.
0: It's massively irresponsible 100%. to not say how you're going to pay for it, to ignore the OBR, to say that it's Nothing. because the IMF and merchant bankers and hedge fund traders are all woke leftists. It's just ridiculous.
1: It's just so unbelievable, like the, the lines of... Debate quote unquote if you can call it that that's been has been kind of um, thrown out by by the defenders of the government where as you say the IMF the International Monetary Fund is being accused of being a leftist institution this is an institution which is every single time there's an opportunity to to do so the left protests against it and not just the hard left the center left does as well like it is not a <laughs> a, a, a centrist, or even a left-wing, no, uh, a left-wing institution. It is a right-wing institution, and that apparently is now n- n- now left-wing. It just gives you an indication of how far the the, the Conservative Party has as as has, has, has fallen. But,
0: but the trust company is just completely detached from reality. Yeah. And trust is blaming Kwarteng. She said at
1: that the decision was the chancellors alone. So the prime minister, like the, the, ultimately you can stop that. Like you have the capacity to say to the chancellor, no. And if they don't accept it, you say goodbye. And Kwarteng blamed Chris Philp, who's the chief secretary of the treasury. Yeah. He got, um, there's a wonderful video online mm. of him basically being, sti- uh, basically realizing he's being stitched up by his boss. Um, uh, as it happens, I mean, it's, yeah, like they're too, they are now at the stage where they're just trying to pass the buck and pass the blame around rather than actually trying to do anything meaningful.
0: And um, just to get to speech then, so he spent a lot of time talking about how reckless and irresponsible the Labour Party were
1: Which was saying, well, I'm going to borrow 72 billion with no indication of how I'm going to pay for it because we're going to grow the economy with that borrowing, but we don't know how. But it's okay because, because he says the government's going to focus on growth, which is
0: why, presumably, Steve, their economic plan involves rejoining the single market, investing millions and millions of pounds into improving productivity by training workers, improving skills, and also investing a lot in in infrastructure because they're the kind of things that business has said is really necessary in order to drive growth forward
1: this is just too depressing
0: was that was that a pause for effect was that an awkward pause i have to edit out
1: oh you're gonna listen back and you can work it out um i'm just like if this is a government that is focused on growth the core issue is productivity. That has been Britain's issue for at least a decade, probably, probably more. Like pl- 70 years. <laughs> yeah. But like, especially so in the past decade or so basically um, since 2010 when capital spend expenditure was cut drastically um, by the government in order to um, balance the books for austerity, um, even though capital expenditure wasn't part of the, def- the daily deficit. But go figure any government that's serious about trying to actually generate growth needs to at least have a plan for for what they do with product to, to boost productivity. It may not work like it's not like there's just some nice big easy switch we can we can press and suddenly productivity will increase but you need to have at least an attempt uh, in your economic policy if you are serious about growth and they don't have that. They've, they don't actually have anything in there at all. the things that do that, that are yeah that, that have been announced so far, as we've said, have been like fiddling around the edges for the most part, uh, rather than anything actually main uh, like, like big league um, enough to make a significant difference. Or it's just a rehash of trickle-down economics in the hope that somehow by decreasing taxes, we will generate more growth, even though we're one of the lowest taxed economies in like the G8. Or it's Chris, I think it's the same Chris
0: Felt, who said at a fringe that so they're going to get rid of business regulation for businesses that employ less than 500 people. And it wasn't clear, is that new regulation or is that
1: that's any, not any regulation? No, but like, it, but again, it just, if that's the, the caliber of the ideas that they're throwing, or throwing around, like but effectively what you'd actually probably find in, the, in those sorts of circumstances is, is the following food safety standards would become non-existent simply because, Most producers of food actually in the UK don't have more than 500 staff because a lot of them are actually done on a relatively small scale. You don't need that many staff to actually manufacture food. Um, And uh, as a result, you're not like they can't just get to say oh we're going to get rid of regulations like it just doesn't work and it doesn't function uh, and equally like you'll probably find that an awful lot of companies will just go well that's ridiculous we're not going to suddenly lower our standards because then that's going to cost us money in the long term so like you're not actually going to generate any new uh, growth out off the back of it, yeah. other than some maybe some seriously skyey businesses, which won't last very long because the minute the um, regulations come back into effect, which they will do so at, at some point, they're all going to go bust. It's,
0: it's, it's,
1: again, it's just this lazy
0: Uber. Free market thinking that somehow any regulation holds business back was actually what business really want is certainty which they're really not getting at the moment and it's a bit like saying you're going to lose weight by eating nothing you think no that's not going to make you lose weight it's going to make you black (laughs) out in three days time we should record an episode for our patreon subscribers because we've neglected them during this period of national mourning. we might even make some predictions in that and if you want to hear us
1: predict where would you have to go head over to patreon.com slash not enough champagne where as Corey says you can get to get to hear us be incredibly wrong about things so that's normally how it goes our facebook page is
0: facebook.com forward slash not enough champagne our twitter handles at no champagne pod james crown designer logo you can follow him on twitter at james cram and dave depper Compost post our Fucky good times i'm at paperback
1: rioter
0: acoustic radical happy plotting